Are you willing to hear and obey truth? Are you willing to hear and are you willing to obey? That is, if we can show you from God's Word what He says, are you willing to do it? Because if you're not, what are we really giving you? This is All Things New with Pastor Barry E. Fields. Let me just say, in getting up and preparing for this passage today, this is a, a difficult one sometimes for us to hear as we talk about the, the context of going after the lost sheep and then administering loving correction. I, I hope that you will hear this message in the spirit in which it is intended, as someone who loves you, someone who cares for your soul. And part of loving you is a willingness to be able to speak truth from you, to you, and receive truth from you. So I hope that you'll hear it in that context. Matthew chapter 18, and beginning in verse 10, Jesus says, See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the ninety-nine that never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, go tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. So Jesus continues his instruction to us about how to treat the children. But in referring to these little ones, he's not simply referring to those who are children age-wise. He's also referring to those who are disciples in the faith. And here Jesus gives us our responsibilities as brothers and sisters in Christ. One, to go after the lost sheep. And two, to confront sin in the church with a godly spirit. And most of these priorities occur around the weekly gathering together of the body of believers. And so he reminds us and commands us to go after the lost sheep and to rejoice when they are found. We know that the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. And part of the reason that Jesus gives this context within the nature of children is that kids are often more willing to admit that they're lost than adults are, are they not? There was a book written not long ago called A Field Guide to Getting Lost, and then the author recounts the story of one search and rescue team in the Rocky Mountains. They went after an 11-year-old boy who'd gotten separated from playing hide-and-seek with his friends, and this boy had some special conditions he couldn't hear, and his eyesight was going. And he'd been given a whistle for just such an occasion to blow. But what made the search and rescue so difficult was he didn't realize that in blowing that whistle, he was right next to a rushing stream, and it covered up the noise. So finally, the next day, they found him in a corner, cold, but okay. You know, they say that in search and rescue, what makes the difference 
for them is whether or not someone is willing to admit they are lost. And so kids are much more often to be rescued than adults because they don't wander as far away. They don't think they can save themselves. Men, how many of us have trouble admitting we're lost when we're on the road somewhere? Wives, can I get a witness on your husband's behalf? It's much harder for an adult to admit their loss than a child. What's the difference? Pride. Thinking I can make it by myself, thinking that I don't need the intervention of others. That's why Jesus says, you must humble yourself like a child. And it's within this setting that Jesus reminds us that it's not simply about us, it's about the larger body of Christ. One commentator said it well, the world's pattern is to look out for oneself primarily, but all that we do within the community of faith will impact everyone else. So your impact and your actions are never singular, they're always affecting someone else within the body. And in verse 10, Jesus says something astonishing. He says, I tell you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. Jesus refers to the angels of these little children, of these disciples, as their angels. It's incredibly personal here. And when he begins to discuss the lost sheep, the 99 that are in the fold, the one that is astray, he's talking about believers who have either been led astray by others, who have gone astray through their sinful choices. And one thing we understand about the God of the Bible is that he is a pursuing God, a God who loves his children too much to let them go. And so in verse 13, when those lost sheep are found, that one lost sheep that went out of the fold, the Bible says that that shepherd rejoices over the one lost sheep more than over the 99 who ever went astray. He rejoices when they are found. Sometimes in church, we classify by people, people by how much they've messed up or how much they've seemingly kept it together. And so when someone who's lived a life outside for all these years come back, we say, well, look at him compared to me. He didn't live a life as I did. Come on. But for the grace of God, there go all of us, could we not say? It's a sense in which Jesus is somewhat referencing the tale of two sons in Luke 16 where he talks about the prodigal who went away, a life who was surely characterized by sex and drugs and rock and roll. And the elder son, when he comes back, becomes very upset because he hasn't run away. He hasn't done the outward sins that his younger brother has committed. And the father has to say to him, son, you've received the blessing. It's freely yours, but your brother has missed out and I'm welcoming him home because your brother was lost and now has been found. That's amazing grace, is it not, to be lost and then to be found? A God who pursues. Jonah knew about this. He tried to get as far away as he could from God. God got a hold of him. <laughs> Made him sit in the fish for three days to figure it out. David said, I tried to turn away from your presence and you were there. Job said, I looked all over the earth and yet your presence I could not escape. And if you think about it, if you're taking a test or if you're trying to make a save, or if you're going for win-loss columns, 99% is a pretty good record, is it not? I mean, I don't know anybody that wouldn't take a 99 on a, on a test or 99 wins out of 100. And yet Jesus says, I go after the one who is lost. For some time, we've had on our heart the desire to go after those who have gone astray 
on our church membership rolls. Our deacons meeting last Sunday night lasted two and a half hours. And it wasn't because I had a lot of stuff to talk about, although that's normally the case. We went through our entire membership role, name by name, some of whom we have not heard from in 10, 15, 20 years. 700 people on that role. People who at one time made their desire to join this church known. Now we can say we've got enough to do what we need to do. We've got volunteers. We've got some money in the bank. Or we can say that membership actually means something. It's our job to go out and reach those who have gone out. We've got a bunch of people for which we have no contact information, so you're going to be getting a sheet, Lord willing, with over 100 names on it. The next couple of weeks, we need your help in reaching out to these folks. Many of them, we know exactly where they are. We're just not sure where they are spiritually. They're either away from the Lord, they don't see the priority, being in His house. But here's what I want us to, to, to land on. The fault is not ultimately with them, although they'll stand before God on their own. The fault is with us. Because we have not taken the time to care for those on our roles. And so we're asking the Lord to forgive us of that. We're asking for repentance. We're seeing how we can pray and love these people. That's what really what we've got to learn how to do, isn't it? We've got to learn to care for one another. There's this misconception about pastoring that pastors do all the care. It's not true in the Scriptures. It's not true anywhere in the Bible. Acts 6, the deacons are devoted just for such a purpose, and people within the congregation are devoted to build up one another, to encourage one another. It's incumbent upon all of us, men with men, women with women. And the best way to go after these lost sheep, the Scripture tells us, is to lovingly correct sin in the church, either sin on our part, their part, sometimes on both parts. There's a lot of roles that people want to place on pastors, is there not? But a pastor is ultimately an under-shepherd of God's flock. It's what pastor means. And a pastor's main job is not to take an opinion poll and say, sheep, what do you want to do? Well, that's what we'd like. But to lead the flock of God lovingly. 1 Timothy 4.2 lines this out. It says to correct and to encourage and when necessary to rebuke. I feel like sometimes in nine years of pastoral ministry that I am often in a catch-22 between the human and the divine. And here's why. If I don't tell people the truth and I only tell them what they want to hear, they'll be happy with me, but God will be mad at me. If I tell people what God wants them to hear and don't tell them what they want to hear, God will be pleased with me, but man will be mad at me. And so where I come to at the end of the day is I'd rather you be mad at me than God be mad at me. Ultimately. I don't know how many times somebody says, pastor or whatever you call me, preacher or brother, used to have a first name before I went into ministry. Step on our toes. <laughs> you don't want me to step on your toes. You want me to step on your toes as long as it's about somebody else's sin, but if it's about yours... I don't know how many times out the door somebody says, well, I'm glad you preached that sermon. They really needed it. <laughs> you needed it, brother. I need it. 
And in shepherding, sometimes you have to bruise the sheep. I enjoy doing that. You have to say things that people don't want to hear. You have to do things that they don't like. And it's a danger for pastors, many of whom are people pleasers, to be so caught up about pleasing man that they forget about pleasing God. And our main job ultimately is not to get you to like us, but to help you to be more like Jesus. And so he says, brothers, when there's a fault in the church, sisters, when there's a fault, we must confront it. We must deal lovingly with it, but we have to call it out loud. So understand that ultimately in your situation, we're not simply trying to look after your short-term needs. We're trying to look after your long-term care. And even if you don't agree with our decisions, trust that we have your best interest at heart. It's a difficult thing. It really is. I love having to correct couples who have come to me for, for counseling or premarital counseling or, or whatever it is, and I'll tell them about God's plan for marriage, whether they, they've been married before, whether they're about to get married, or, or, or they're married right now, whatever the case is. And I go through it and I outline every one of them, and they're fine with it until we talk about sex. I say, you know, it's, it's sinful for anybody outside of marriage to have sexual relations. God says that. I don't know how many people I've made mad over that. You know, it, it used to be in a culture where you could call out sin and be okay, but now you can't do it without people getting offended. Here's what's going to make the difference for you as a believer in Christ, and I've almost gotten to where I say this on every counseling session now, is are you willing to hear and obey truth? Are you willing to hear and are you willing to obey? That is, if we can show you from God's Word what He says... Are you willing to do it? Because if you're not, what are we really giving you? That's what he says makes the difference, whether or not we can be people who are willing to hear the truth. And brothers and sisters, if you're not willing to hear truth, then you are not willing to hear Christ. That's the reason we gather together. I like what one author wrote this week. I shared this via our, our, our e-news this past week, he talks about the gathering together of believers. And he says, gathering with God's people is not first about being blessed, but about being a blessing. It's not first about getting, but about giving. And as we prepare to worship, our first consideration should be how to stir up one another to love and good works. We should approach Sundays deliberately, eager to do good to others, to be a blessing to them. And in times when we feel our zeal waning, when we feel the temptation to skip out on a Sunday or withdraw altogether, we should consider our God-given responsibility to encourage one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. This book isn't simply written to individually to you, although it is. It's written to the church. It's written to not you, but y'all. All of us. And when you come into this church, you're not here simply to be blessed. You're here to bless others. We're here to live with one another in truth and in harmony. I don't know how many people have walked out the doors because they've heard the truth and they haven't liked what they've heard. And sometimes that's on our fault if we don't say that in a loving way. That's on us. But if you don't hear the truth, then you are going to hear it before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. 
And somewhere along the line, we've gotten the idea that the church is kind of this all-inclusive club with no expectations, no judgment. You can live how you want, act like you want, God will bless you regardless. I mean, that's a pretty good deal, isn't it? That's, that sounds like the best bar in the world. That's the all-you-can-eat buffet. That's your all-expenses-paid trip to Disneyland. Eat all the ice cream you want, and you won't gain a pound. People want physical healing and relief from their burdens, but they don't want freedom from sin. See, we want to welcome and we want to invite others, but part of welcoming, part of loving is a willingness to be able to speak truth to them. The problem today is that the church tries to act like the world and the world tries to act like the church, (laughs) competing with one another. And he tells us in this passage, look at what he says. Whatever you bind on earth, in verse 18, shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And so we understand something. He says, look, if somebody's living in open, unrepentant sin and you tell them about it and they don't respond, take somebody with you. If that doesn't happen, you bring it before the church. If they still refuse to repent, he says, act like a Gentile and a tax collector to them. That is, don't associate with them. I mean, that's an incredibly jarring thing. But the purpose is so that they might have opportunity to repent. See, the most hateful thing we can possibly do to someone we see in sin is leave them there. That's not loving. That's hateful. And if we don't call people to repent, we might as well start throwing pixie dust and singing about fairy tales because that's about all we're good for. Because we're not offering anything that the world doesn't offer. And so something that each of us need to understand is that all of us will one day stand before the Lord and give account on being faithful servants. And a big count of being servants is lovingly calling people to repentance and faith. This isn't a museum for saints. Anybody that claims to have their life together, including me, doesn't have it together. We're all sinners saved by grace. And so we understand that this place is a hospital. But in a hospital, you don't just treat the symptoms, hopefully. You go after the disease. And the disease is sin. And the disease is going after your own way and seeking your own truth apart from God's truth and not listening to brothers and sisters in Christ. So he calls us to go after the sheep and to confront sin and to do it in a loving way. We must help them Feel the weight of sin, and we must help them know the love of Christ. And then he he gives this command. He's hearkening back to a couple of chapters earlier when he says, Truly I say unto you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So we've been given the keys to the kingdom to declare sin for what it is with anyone. And then he says, If two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father In heaven, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Now, most of the time, we use that passage to talk about two or three people gathered together to pray. Or we say, you know, if nobody comes to church on one Sunday, well, two or three are gathered, there I am. And that's true. Where believers are gathered together, the presence of the Lord is here. But the context of this passage specifically is within loving confrontation. That when brothers and sisters come to you, not simply to call you out, not simply to say, hey... We just want to come at you. But to say, look, this is what the Scripture says. This is how you must live. You have to be willing to listen. You have to be willing to hear 
truth. Because it will ultimately make an eternal difference for you. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the broadcast. If you found it helpful, please consider sharing it with your family and friends. For more information, check us out online at barryefields.com.